of January. <laughs> I mean, after all the joy and excitement of December and Christmas and all the fun we had with, with family and friends, I mean, January is just a little bit of a letdown, is it? I mean, there, there are no great social holidays to look forward to. There, there are not even any great sporting events anymore now that the, the Super Bowl has been pushed back to February permanently. I mean, there's nothing to look forward to but bad weather and cold and getting back to the routine and the diet and the exercise. Oh, my goodness. I heard about this guy who was a billionaire, and he knew he needed to get back to the exercise, so he, uh, he signed up at YMCA for this aerobics course. But then he found out he was too busy, so he sent his butler instead. How about that middle-aged woman? She said, the doctor said that jogging would add 10 years to my life. And she said, well, he's right. I've been jogging now for a week, and already I feel 10 years older. <laughs> yeah, but my favorite one was this woman that was being interviewed about exercise. And this is what she said. Anyone who thinks that Americans don't get enough exercise doesn't have preschoolers. <laughs> and any mom would surely relate to that. So January is not my favorite time. But look, um, this story about Jesus in the wilderness is not my favorite story either. I mean, what a way to begin. <coughs> what a way to begin Jesus' work. What a, begin, what a way to begin Jesus' ministry. I mean, after last week where we talked about the baptism, when we talked about how the Bible says the, the heavens were torn open and the Holy Spirit came down on Jesus, and then there was this amazing voice, this voice of God, and God said, You are my child. I love you dearly. With you, I am well pleased. Imagine after the high of that, then suddenly for Jesus to find himself out in the desert, in the wilderness. And we know the wilderness is not a great place. I mean, the Bible makes it fairly clear. It's a place of self-doubt. It's a place of question. It's a place of struggle. It's a place where we come face to face with whether we're going to trust God or whether we're going to trust ourselves. It's the place where we decide, are we truly going to follow in God's way? Are we going to do our own thing? It's a, it's a place that's hard to be. I mean, look at Moses. Josh Ellen wrote that, that passage. Moses got the call of God there, but why was Moses in the, in the desert to begin with? Because he killed somebody, right? He murdered a fellow Hebrew. And I'm sure he was filled, filled with all sorts of questions and doubt and guilt, besides running from Pharaoh. Elijah ends up in the desert, and this is, this is after he's had this huge success with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and yet... Jezebel says she's out to get him, and so he's hiding away in a little cave up on Mount Horeb, filled with self-pity, filled with doubt, filled with fear. Who else was in the desert? You remember the, the people of God, the people of Israel? So God saved them out of slavery in Egypt. God brought them to Mount Sinai, gave them the Ten Commandments, and the very next thing, they're wandering in the desert for 40 years. You know, in the Bible, that word 40 years, that's a symbol. You know what it means? It means forever. <laughs> it means a long time. The wilderness is not the place you want to end up. It's not the place that we want to go. 
And Jesus finds himself there. You know, my friend Bob found himself there last week. Bob had a heart attack. He's 50 years old. I'm sorry, he had a stroke. Let me get it right, he had a stroke. His wife called us, of course, the straw. I think they were able to get him the drug that sort of reverses things before it causes too much damage. But I was talking to him on the phone. And he sounded himself. He was doing, he was doing this great. And all of a sudden, he just falls apart. He's, he's in tears. And he doesn't know why it's happened. And he doesn't know what it's about. And he doesn't know what the future is, is about to bring him. He's in wilderness. Sometimes we're there. I, I had a time of, of being in the wilderness. Um, about 10 years into my ministry, I burned out. Um, I guess I was just trying to do too much myself. I, I didn't know how to delegate at that season in my life. I can remember uh, the Sunday where it all came to a head. I was sitting in the pulpit chair. I just preached. I just prayed. And all of a sudden, I, I had this overwhelming feeling that I wanted to run out of there. And I didn't want to come back again. And I literally, I went out of that, that and I called a meeting of the elders and I said, look, I, I can't do this anymore. I've got to quit. And they, they didn't let me quit. But they said, okay, we'll give you six weeks. You, you go and get straightened out. Go do what you need to do. And they gave me some money to go. And I, I did some career counseling. I did a lot of walking in the woods. I did a lot of praying, a lot of talking. But it was a time of wilderness. It was a time of self-doubt and, and questioning. And where is God in all of this? And what is my life really about? But nobody wants to be in the wilderness. Sometimes we get there because it's our own choices. It's our own sin. Moses was there because he sinned, right? He killed a man. Now my friend Bob is there. I don't know. Events beyond his control, perhaps. Sometimes we're there for other reasons. Why was Jesus there? Did you catch what it said? It said the Spirit sent him there. Here's, here's what the verse says. Um, at once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. Now this translation, this is the NIV translation. That's a very weak translation because the Greek word sent actually has violence to it. It, it. it literally means to hurl one out. And the image I get is like you're in this bar and, and, and you've done something wrong and the bouncer picks you up and throws you out like that and chases you and says... Don't ever come back again. And that's kind of what the, the Spirit is doing to Jesus here. The same Spirit that, that it had said to Jesus, you know, the Spirit came down on Jesus. This is the same Spirit where the voice said, you are my child. You're the one I love. What, what is going on here? Why would God do that? And why would, why would God begin Jesus' ministry with 40 days, 40 nights of doubt, wonder, and anxiety, and uncertainty, and struggle, and fear. I think for me the answer is, Jesus had a mission to accomplish. He had a purpose for his life. It wasn't going to be easy. It was absolutely not going to be easy. And he had to get prepared. He had to get ready. And we can kind of see, we can kind of see right now 
just in the two verses that have to do with temptation, we kind of see how this, this mission goes. Because, because Jesus was called to inaugurate a reversal of human history. I mean, Jesus, Jesus was called to be the one to set this world headed off in the right direction after the world had got off to the wrong foot by going the way of rebellion against God, against sin. And Jesus' job was to reverse things. That's what all the Old Testament prophets talked about. How when the Messiah came, he was going to bring about the new heavens and the new earth. And it was to begin right here. We can, we can see it in these passages of Scripture. It says he was in the wilderness, he was being tempted by Satan. Where have you ever heard a story like that in the Old Testament? Garden of Eden, right? The first human beings tempted by Satan. All right, so, so right there we have that image of how bad things have been because of sin. We have that image. But now we're going to see how Jesus reverses it. Right here in the time of temptation, he was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. Now where in Scripture can you think of a, an Old Testament Scripture, where can you think of a prophecy where there are wild animals that would naturally be enemies and they are together. And everything's fine. And there, there's harmony. God is present with them. Peaceful kingdom. Peaceful kingdom. That's exactly, that's exactly what it made me think about. It says the lion will lie down with the lamb. It says the ox will, will feed with the bear. It says children will play with snakes. And a little child will lead them. And it gives us this image of how the world is going to be set right by Jesus Christ. And it's the start right here. But oh, oh, is it going to be a challenge, right? Just, just think about what Jesus went through. He had to teach. He had to heal. There was rejection. There was anger. There were people who turned against him. Remember that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, how he prayed and he prayed so hard that the Bible says it was sweat like drops of tear falling on the ground. He had to go all through all of that. But in order to do that, he had to be prepared for what was ahead. I think, you know, you and I are called to follow in Jesus' path. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to participate in this mission of making this world the way God intended it to be. You're called by your life, by your words, by your actions to bring the hope, the newness, the justice, the fairness, the truth, the goodness that God intended from the beginning. You're called to begin that now in the life that you live, where you live, in the family you live in, in the community you live in, in the world that, that you live in. Is that easy for us to do? Absolutely not. It's quite a challenge. And I think we're all tempted. We're all tempted to abandon the call. We're all tempted to go our own way. We're all tempted to do our own thing. I remember that story about Lowell Stryker. He was a Baptist pastor and he was invited by his friend Carl to preach in a church in Maryland. So he preached his sermon and afterwards Carl said to him, he said, well, come stand out in the back so people can come greet him. And he did that. They got in line. There was a line that came to greet him. First person in line was this lady and she grabbed his hand, she shook his hand, she looked him in the eye, and she said, Sorry, sermon. <laughs> and he was blown away. He went, what? And 
But the thing that surprised me the most was this lady got back in the, the receiving line to talk to me, and she came to again. She said, this time, she grabbed his hand, she said, sorry sermon, and she said, you didn't even preach it well. Now, he, he didn't know what to make of it, but she went back the line a third time. She came through. She said, sorry sermon, you didn't preach it well, and I hope I never see you again. <laughs> so finally, he turns to his buddy Carl. He said, Carl, what, what is it with this lady? And he said, oh, don't, don't pay attention to her. She's not very bright. She only says what she hears other people say. <laughs> so we have times like that, right? Where we try our best to be Jesus' person, where we try our best to be good Christians, and we end up messing up, we fail, and we find ourselves in wilderness. Now, now we find ourselves in wilderness, yes, because of our own sin. We find ourselves in wilderness because of events outside of our control. But listen, you all, sometimes God is going to send you and me to places we don't want to be, to wilderness times, for the purpose of getting us prepared so that we can be more effective to follow Him. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. It's not fun for me, it's not fun for you. But I think there are three things to think about in this scripture that give us hope. One is, look, we may be going through hard times, but Jesus has been there ahead of us. Jesus has been there right before us. I mean, the Bible tells us that, that he was human as we are, that he, that he suffered everything that we've suffered, that he, he knows the struggles with sin, although he never gave in to sin, that, that he, know time, he knew times where he was hungry, times where he was tired, times where he was discouraged, times where he wanted to just cry bitter tears. He knew all those. He knows what you feel. He knows what I feel in those difficult times, and he's there ahead of us to help us. That's good news. Another piece of good news in the scripture, it says that he was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. In other words, God, God sent help there in his time of difficulty, and God sends us help in the form of, I think, primarily other people. The church family. You know what? When I was in my time of burnout, you know, I had so many folks from that church sending notes, calling, praying for me. And then they gave me some money. Go away. Get, get some help. Get some counseling, you know. And, and it was so encouraging. God, God never leaves us in the time of wilderness by ourselves. God always comes to be present with us and primarily present with us through other people in the church family. And then third, and, I, and then I think this is sort of the thing that encourages me the most, is that God uses wilderness times in your life and in my life, just as he did in Jesus' life, to get him ready for the mission that God has. And you have a purpose. You have a mission. You have a reason God calls you to serve him. And he will use those times to get you ready and to get me ready in them. One of my, uh, one of the people I've always admired, although I have to say, he did some, he did some tough things sometimes. Don't, don't always agree with what he did, but one of the people that I have admired over the years has been Millard Fuller, who was the founder of Habitat for Humanity. You know his story? Age of 30 years old, he had already become a millionaire. He and uh, his wife Linda lived in Montgomery. They had everything that, that, 
that you could want. I mean, they had a huge mansion in Montgomery. They had this, this big house at the lake. They had fancy cars. They had boats. They had airplanes. They, they traveled anywhere they wanted to all the time, and yet Miller was, was experiencing great stress from all of his efforts at business. He physically was having a hard time, and their marriage was just about to fall apart. So they were on this trip to New York City. It was a business trip. They got into this big fight uh, with one another and decided that if they couldn't figure out something different to do in their lives, that they were going to have to end their marriage. So they decided they needed to do something. They were, they were Christians. They came home. Um, Miller said, I've got I've to be away for a while. They closed up shop, and he and his wife moved to uh, America's Georgia, to a little Christian community there called Koinonia Community. It was a wilderness time for them. A time of self-doubt, a time of questioning about their marriage, a time of uncertainty about how they were going about their lives. But out of that, out of that time came two really important things. Number one, they decided that they needed to sell all of their possessions and give the money away. And they literally did. This, this is not made up. They literally did. Sold the mansion. Sold the vacation house. Sold all the cars, all the planes. Sold it all. Gave it away. Moved to live permanently in Koinonia community. Over a period of the next two or three years, out of that, the second more, more important thing came. And that, is, that was God gave Miller and Linda a dream. A dream of being able to provide homes for people who could not normally afford a home, but doing it by providing no interest loans to them. And since that time, that was in the late 70s, early 80s, since that time, Habitat for Humanity was born and has built home for people, homes for people in need, thousands of them. Thousands and thousands and thousands of homes. On their website it says like, Two million people have been touched by Habitat for Humanity. Homes in the U.S., homes in other places around the world. And lives have been changed because of that work of God through Him. It all came out of wilderness. It all came out of that time of testing. It all came out of that time of doubt and anxiety and uncertainty and confusion and fear. And God bless them and God bless other people as a result. So we have these times. You all, you, you've experienced wilderness times. I've experienced it. And we have times now. We have times where we, where we say, God, I just don't want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to live the life you want me to live. That's, that's temptation. That's a time of doubt. That's a time of uncertainty. And we have to work through those things with God's help. But listen, Jesus has been there ahead of us. He knows what it's like for you. He doesn't give up on you. He knows what it's like. He gives us help in the midst of it. He sends his angels. And then he takes that time and turns it for good to bring out of it things that will be a blessing for you and blessing for other people <coughs> and will honor God in the process. So... I still don't like January very much, I have to say. But I think that I like this story better now. May the grace, the mercy, and peace of God be with you. Whatever your circumstances are.
you may know God's love, God's power in your life today. Amen.